Recently, I had the opportunity to have a conversation about the Second Amendment with a presidential hopeful, Vivek Ramaswamy. I generally don't make it a point to blatantly endorse a particular politician on my platform. Uh, however, I am incredibly open to having any politician come on my platform and have a two-way conversation. Here is the conversation I had with Ramaswamy, and uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed the conversation, and hopefully we get more politicians to come onto the platform and have the very important conversation that we need to have regarding the Second Amendment. All right, uh, just Vivek Raswamy. Vivek, Vivek Ramaswamy. Vivek Ramaswamy. You got all right. it. Yeah, I'm butchering names, man. I'm terrible. That's all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been getting that all my life, so I'm used to it. Hey, it's I'm, a long name. There's a lot There's a lot of syllables in there. Oddly, <laughs> it happens to me, too. Yeah, I bet, <laughs> it does. Coleon, I got yeah. that right, right? Yep, yeah. now you hit it right on the head. Yeah. So, you're running for president. Yes. All right, so, generally speaking, what would you say your, your platform, what are you running on? What is, the, what is the general message yeah, behind I'm that? I'm running on reviving our national identity. Okay. We have lost our sense of who we are. Right, you and I were both millennials. Yep. I'm the youngest person ever to run for president in the Republican Party. And I think the problem in our country is, you know this, you ask people our age, probably people any age yeah. in this country, what does it mean to be an American today? You get like a blank stare in response. Yeah. Right, that's a void, that is a vacuum. And when you have a vacuum that runs that deep, that is when the poison fills the void. Yeah, we could, wokeism, transgenderism, yeah. climatism, pick your favorite one. That's what's going on in the country. And I think our solution to that is deliver a vision of American national identity that runs so deep that it dilutes the poison to irrelevance. And the top of that vision is the Declaration of Independence and the U.S. Constitution, which is the operating manual, that is the greatest source and strongest source of freedom in human history, that's what we need to revive. So what would you say to somebody, say somebody who's a Generation Z-er, who's like, yeah. oh, Constitution, it's outdated, it doesn't really matter mm -hmm. anymore. You know, because a lot of you pointed out, yeah. a lot of them don't even really, they look at the flag as kind of being something amorphous, throwaway, it doesn't even really matter. Or, or worse, yeah. or worse, hostile to their identity. Exactly. Right? Yeah. yeah. So what would you say to someone like that? Because I'm not going to, I'll be honest, I mean, me coming up, I understood the Constitution. It, yep. it was, I understood it was important, it was an important document. But it wasn't until I got older until I really understood how important that document was. Yes. So what would you say to someone like that who's kind of like, eh, why, why should I care about the Constitution? Yeah, so it's, it's a good question because that's a big part of what you get from Gen Z. Yeah. There, there's first what I want to do to make sure we don't get that question, which is I think every young person who graduates as a high school senior should have to know the same thing about the country that an immigrant has to know in order to become a citizen of this country. Part of the problem is young people don't value a country that they just passively inherit. Yeah. And that's not their fault, that's our fault. That's, yeah. that's the generation of people who are bringing up our kids, yeah. putting them through the educational system, graduating without knowing the first thing about what the country was founded on. That's a big part of the problem. Absolutely. But I think actually what I see when I'm talking to young people is not just agnosticism. Okay. It's actually, there's a form of almost guilt that they've been taught to have. So I think that when they act agnostic, I think it's actually a symptom of a deeper self-loathing. This idea that we're an imperfect nation. We were founded on slavery. We were effectively built in 1619, not 1776. So being proud of that is actually, in some ways, unjust. Yeah. You go to Washington, D.C. in the month of June, you'll see, you'll see more trans flags, yep. I'm not kidding, than you will see American flags. I took my son there. We, com the combination of trans mm -hmm. flags as well as Ukraine flags outnumbered the number of U.S. flags that we saw in the month of June in Washington, D.C. 
So, so what, do I, what do I tell young people then? Our worst hypocrisies as a country mm -hmm. are still our best evidence that we have ideals at all. Right, so if you're gonna be a nation built on ideals, because that's what the yeah. Constitution enshrines, yep. the Bill of Rights, our, your favorite amendment, my favorite amendment, my second favorite amendment, first amendment's my favorite, <laughs> second amendment, yeah. second favorite. That is a statement of ideals for a free people. We as human beings are born free. We were made to be free, okay? And so that's the document that enshrines the essence of our humanity, our freedom to pursue our own destiny. And so have we fallen short of that at times in our nation's history? Yes, we have. But you never call Iran or China a hypocrite because to be a hypocrite, you had to have ideals in the first place. Yeah. So don't abandon those ideals. Don't become callous or anesthetized to those ideals. Celebrate those ideals. Say, you know what, we're going to fall short of them because we're human beings. We're not gods. But still run to those ideals because we're the last best hope of a nation that can enshrine those ideals at all. That's what the U.S. Constitution is about. Love it. Love it. Yeah, I remember I had a conversation with uh, Bill Maher, and he asked me, yeah. you know, how could I be an African-American who espouses the Second Amendment based on the Constitution when oh, it's supposed to be written to, when it was supposed to be written to control, control black people? And I go, and basically hmm. I said exactly what you just said in different words, but mm -hmm. because of the purity of the language of that document, yep. I sit before you now as one of the most vocal and forward-facing two-way advocates in this country. I know you are. You know? And, and it's interesting, I mean, you know, some of this is controversial to go into, but mm -hmm. let's go into that claim from Bill Maher. Okay, I think I'm going to see him later this week or whenever it is myself, and it's, it's, I, I respect him because at least even if he's on the left, yeah. he still embraces he's a, patriotism yeah. as a value. And he's willing to have the conversation. And he's willing to have the conversation. Oh. You know, the Dred Scott case, the case that infamously said that black people could not be citizens yeah. before the Civil War, the main justification that the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, Roger Taney, gave was that that would allow black people to own guns exactly. in this country. So in a certain sense, I love the way you said it. It's the, it these are words that transcend yeah. color, yeah. creed. This goes beyond the specific genetic identities we inhabit. And that's also what, what I even say to some you know, friends who have different views on mm -hmm. the right, where. No, this country is not founded on a given ethnicity. Yeah. I'm sorry, it's not. Yep. The beautiful thing about this country is we're founded on a set of ideals that brought together a, yes, diverse, divided, different colored group of people together. It's not our diversity that our strength. Our strength is what unites us across that diversity. That's what that Constitution's all about. Absolutely, absolutely. That's what I'm so passionate about. It. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, I love it. So you mentioned the idea of Immigrants, like I'm, I'm come from immigrant, immigrant parents, and where, where did your parents come from? Nigeria. Okay. Right. So there wasn't really a background of firearms in my background. I didn't grow oh, up with guns. Believe me. Yeah. yeah. Right. There's this. I don't know of, about your family. Yeah. Actually, my, my family, I grew up in a pretty anti-gun household. Same actually. here. You did. Okay. Yeah, pretty okay. same. Like I remember when I bought my first rifle, I hid it under my bed. You did. Yeah. yeah I, I had a number How of guns in my mom's house, and I was, I was just about to go to law school. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I was still hiding from my mother yeah. because those things, guns. My parents were super happy when I got mine either. I will say. <laughs> you know, those firearms symbolize something else. They symbolize them you know, street life. Like yeah. I was in a gang or something of that sort. Mm -hmm. um, but for me, it represented something so different. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, my question was going to ask you, like, based on your background um, and your parents, how would you, how would you manage that? 
in terms of helping immigrants who do come to this country, mm -hmm. um, who do look at the gun thing and say, I love America, but I don't understand this gun thing. Why, yeah. why do we need the Second Amendment? Why do we need guns yep. in America? Because that's what I get a lot from the people that I know who are immigrants who come here. They love the country, but yeah. they say, why the Second Amendment? So, so it's interesting because I think immigrants who come from other democratic nations yeah. may be different than immigrants who come from places like Iran yeah. okay, or, or China or other despotic regimes. Here's why. China and Iran. So I brought them up earlier. Let's use those two examples. Yeah. Both countries actually, on paper, even in their constitutions, enumerate the same freedoms we have in our Bill of Rights, except the Second Amendment. Yeah. So the Second Amendment is actually the amendment that puts the teeth into all of the other ones. I went to the NRA meeting and uh, you know, the guy was trying to quiz me. He says, well, what does AR-15 stand for? I said, yeah. it stands for freedom, actually. <laughs> That's what it stands for. Yeah. And you know what, when the British in the American Revolution, what do they want to come? Where the guns and bolts were kept. Yeah. Because they understand that would have been the source of freedom. Black Americans, after the Civil War. To go what Tani said before the Civil War, after the Civil War, mm -hmm. a lot of the main laws that were passed during the so-called Reconstruction era that stopped black Americans from securing the freedoms that we fought a Civil War to actually secure were the first wave of anti-gun laws yep. that stopped black Americans from owning guns. So whether it's Iran, whether it's China, whether it's even our own nation, at our less proud points in our history, we actually need to provide a backstop, okay, for all of the other rights that are written on a piece of paper. What allows us to secure those rights in real life? The way I explain it to people is, it's like the equivalent of the, when the Cold War, you know, we had this mm -hmm. concept of mutually assured destruction, yeah. right? The US and Soviet Union would never go to war because each side knew they were subject to destruction by the other, mm -hmm. and so that actually gave us Yep. the piece that kept the war cold rather than hot. It makes some people uncomfortable when I say this, but I think it's the true spirit of the Second Amendment. That's what happens when you have a relationship between a government and its people. Yep. I, you know, people of sheep breed a government of wolves. That's yep. what the Second Amendment's about. It's to make sure we are not a people of sheep or else we will have the government we deserve, a government of wolves. You rarely, rarely ever hear anyone in politics say that. That's There's the truth. This, this idea that the whole Second Amendment is based around sports shooting or even yep. to some degree hunting. But that's not what. The funny thing is, I'm not like, yeah. I'm not a guy who does that stuff, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, I, I've been, like, you I'm, wouldn't consider yourself a gun guy, so to speak. No, I mean, yeah. I mean, I am a Second Amendment guy. Gotcha. <laughs> There's yeah. a, and that's really thing. more fundamental. That's a beautiful point because yeah. a lot of people don't understand that distinction. Yeah, because you can be a gun guy. And still be anti-Second Amendment. Oh, I mean, there's it's like very uh, rare, but it, oh, it happens. Oh, but, but, yeah. but it can happen. Yeah. Or, or, or you could be a gun guy, but not know but why. why exactly. Right? Like you're just yep. sort of going through the motions. I yeah. think I like the Second Amendment, but like, what was that yeah. again? You and, know? I, and I think it's more important to be a Second Amendment person. I mean, that's what the so that's what the country's yeah. built on, right? Yeah. That that goes. Yeah, I mean, people are allowed to have their hobbies. I like yeah. to play tennis, play basketball, and given days, yeah. you know, shooting. We just did it right now. We had a lot of fun. It was fun in there. That's not what the Second Amendment's about. The Second Amendment is about our freedom of speech. It is about the freedom to exercise our religion. It is about making sure the government does not knock on my doorstep and search my house without showing up with a warrant that a court actually gave them pursuant to the Fourth Amendment. It is about making sure that that which is not reserved to the federal government actually is reserved to the states and to the people. That's what the Second Amendment is about, all the way through the Fourteenth Amendment, to say that nobody because of your skin color or mine is going to stop me from showing up at the ballot box and cast in my vote nobody is going to tell somebody in this country that they can't travel from one state to another because of their religion or because of their skin color or their beliefs because if a government overreaches by that much they know they're going to have hell to pay for it
So what That's what the Second Amendment it was built to create. And, and does that make some of us feel like a little uncomfortable? I mean, is that a little bit of an uncomfortable yeah. idea? I mean, it is, though. It is. And that's the discomfort, right? I mean, it's, it's just so important to pause on this. Yeah. Like that sense of discomfort, mm -hmm. that's the whole ballgame. That, yeah. that is the pill we swallow to secure our freedoms. That's the reality. Absolutely. So what would you say to someone like Biden? So for instance, Biden says, well, <laughs> he kind of laughs at it and says, yeah. you're going to need more than your stupid little guns. We have F-16s and bombs and all types of things. There's no way you people could ever stop the government from doing what it wants, stop the government from overreach in that manner. What would you, would you say to someone like that? Well, um, I'm not sure that Biden could say that as coherently as you just did. <laughs> uh, and, you know, I th and I think one of the mistakes we sometimes make mm -hmm. On our side, I don't know if you lean, I mean, I assume you're a conservative leaning, you know, guy. I consider, consider myself consider, just right to center. Right, just, okay, yeah, I mean, because you're going to be, yeah. be pro-Second Amendment and yeah. you can be left to center and all the things, I'll still say good for that because yeah. at least you understand the Constitution. But I would say a mistake that many people on the right mm -hmm. would make, many of my peers in the presidential race or otherwise, they'll talk about Joe Biden while failing to recognize he's not even the person in charge. He's just a symbol. He's a puppet of a managerial yeah. class and agenda deeper than him. But I think that's, that's a view that you sometimes hear is, yeah. well, it's never going to help you anyway. I don't think that's so true. You don't know, you know why. I, I can tell you, give you a separate example in another country. Mm -hmm. The Chinese state media, okay, got really rankled. I was under their skin, apparently, mm -hmm. when I gave my speech at the NRA. Yeah. When I said, you want to actually figure out how we secure Taiwan? deter China from invading without actually us going to war over it, turn Taiwan into a porcupine. Put a gun in every Taiwanese household, open a branch of the NRA there, train them how to use it. You tell me whether China's gonna invade. They are scared out of their minds out of a people yeah. who actually have a second amendment. And you know who else has the equivalent of F-16s and <laughs> B-23s and B-2s and everything else and submarines and, and you know, mil full on yeah. military <laughs> and a naval capacity ahead of the United States is actually China. Yeah. So I think that for a government they want to still have a people left to rule, right? So, 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 so it, doesn't, it doesn't work like, yeah, there's nuclear weapons, yeah. but like, then everybody's out. Yeah. Who are you, you going to exercise power over, over right? Yeah. And so, so that argument doesn't really work, even if you put yourself in the shoes of the monarch or the autocrat. Mm -hmm. No, 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 no. I, I need you to exist because I have to exist, exert my power, dominion, and control over you. And so, yes, you're darn right. The Second Amendment is indeed what keeps that government at bay. Absolutely. So... Let's say for instance, and can I just make yeah. one more comment? Because yeah. this is a good conversation, yeah. right? We don't, everybody's just like, I support the Second Amendment yeah. without getting into the it's why. Huge, yeah. Here's the other thing is th that argument just paves the way for why. You know, the counter argument sometimes you'll hear from some people is that, well, it just means the weapons that existed in 1776 mm -hmm. were the only ones that we had the freedoms to own. The other argument cuts the other direction. Forget the nuclear weapons, but like the government does have a lot bigger guns yeah. than the ordinary people do today. So that changes what the Second Amendment means today relative to what it did mean in 1776, back when the government only had, you know, the, 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 the muskets the, the that they had back yeah. then. Exactly, yeah. right? right? The, the equivalent of cannons or nuclear bombs and the equivalent of muskets or automatic weapons that the government has, too. So that's all I would say yeah. on that point, too. No, I love that. I love that. Is there... Okay, so the other side, when I say the other side, I don't mean it dismissively or flippantly, yeah. but the other side likes to say, well, you, you guys never compromise. You never compromise. You never give an inch. Is there anything that you'd be willing to say compromise, or is there any type of gun control law that you say, you know what, maybe we should look into that a little bit further? Here's what I say, and I say this on all issues in the mm -hmm. campaign, this isn't just restricted to 2A. I think we're in bad need of national unity. We are a badly divided country. 
and I understand even many other Republicans who I respect and admire, they believe the right way to get there is through compromise. I don't think the way we get to national unity is by compromising on our ideals. I think the way we get to national unity is by actually being uncompromising about the ideals that unite us as Americans. E pluribus unum means from many one. The ideals that unite America, the ideals of 1776, those are radical ideals. Those are ideals that should make most of human history feel a little uncomfortable. Free speech, Second Amendment, open debate, self-governance, the idea that we the people select our leaders through a constitutional republic rather than in the back of palace halls. Those are extreme ideals. But that is what makes us ourselves. That's what makes America great. That's what makes America, America. And so the way we're going to unite this country is actually by rediscovering, dare I say it, the radicalism Mm -hmm. of the American Revolution. Now, we have pragmatic issues in this country, like a rise in violent crime. Mm -hmm. We do. You don't want that. I don't want that. And you know, even many of our friends on the left, that's what concerns them. So my point is, let's not just like split the baby over here. No, let's go over there Mm -hmm. and figure out the real problem. The mental health epidemic across this country. We have to have the courage to talk about removing, instead of removing guns from law-abiding citizens, mm-hmm. let's have the courage to talk about removing severely psychiatrically deranged people who pose a danger to their communities from those communities. That's a hard conversation. Yeah. But if you want to address the root cause, that's what this is about. I'm a parent of two sons. You, you have a family? You're, no, you're, not, yeah, you're younger yeah. than, you're Okay, you look younger. Yeah. That's why, because well, kids will do that to you. My mom's not happy with that, but that's another story. <laughs> kids, kids will do that, kids will do that <laughs> yeah. to you, okay? But yeah. here's what I'll say is, I say this, like look, my older son's about to enter school. Mm-hmm. And does it give me some deep pause and concern when I see yet another school shooting in this country? Yes, it does. You want to know who's doing it? Mentally deranged, psychiatrically ill people. And you want to protect our kids? Protect our kids. For 25% of what we spend in the Federal Department of Education, by the way, that's the federal government, has nothing to do with local education. For less than 25% of that, we could put three armed security guards in every school across this country. So we've got to have the courage to actually solve the real problem rather than doing the thing that they're even doing in Tennessee now. They haven't released the Nashville Shooter Manifesto, yet Republican Governor Bill Lee is literally, within days, convening a special session of the legislature to pass a red flag law, to take guns away from law-abiding citizens, as opposed to taking actual problematic people, psychiatrically deranged people, out of their communities. That's what we need to have more of an honest conversation about. That's what takes real courage, not just passing another red flag law. So when we were in this shooting, we um, we shot semi-autos, we shot full autos, we shot a lever action. What are, what are your feelings about full auto? Because you know, right now we have the NFA that says, you know, it's basically more or less bans fully automatic guns from yeah. regular citizens being able to own them. How do you feel? What is your position on full automatic, regular people being able to own fully automatic weapons? I think that's what's constitutionally required. The government has fully automatic weapons. Yeah. I think that that's exactly what's enshrined in the Second Amendment. As a side note, I also enjoyed shooting it. Yeah. <laughs> and it was, it was a fun experience, right? Mm-hmm. I was actually, I, I told you, I'm not like some expert yeah, shooter, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. I've shot semi-automatic. That might have been my first time shooting an automatic at a range, actually. Gotcha. But it's not because I like that, yeah. and that's fun. Mm-hmm. No, that's not the reason why, actually. The reason why is it is what the modern understanding of the, the Second Amendment in the world we live in today mm-hmm. means. 
in the same way that George Washington, if he were alive today, would mean it. That's really why. It's an originalist understanding of the Constitution and the purpose of the Second Amendment. That's awesome. Absolutely. So I'll leave you with this one last question. It's something I just thought about on the spot. It's an idea that I had um, that just came to me. If you were to become president, Mm -hmm. And, you know, we talked about not putting in more, in more gun, no more gun control laws and being able to address the root cause of whatever issues. That's very important, with, right? though. I, I'm big on that. Yep. Yes. Um, wh how would you feel about, like, we, we're spending billions and we're sending billions of dollars to other countries, right? Yes. And my biggest thing for me is we live in a country with over 300 million guns, right? But then we have a culture that's divided where you have group of people on this side who know a lot about firearms and another group of people who don't know very much about firearms and they're like, yeah, guns they keep. And you become president. Would you be in favor of creating an incentive for people to become better educated mm. and to become more responsible um, and learn gun safety mm. on a national level? I, I they, quite like that a lot, yeah. actually. I quite like that a lot. It yeah. goes along with, um, you know, so there's some, some deeply nationalistic yeah elements to my platform. I'll give you one of them and we don't have to go down this rabbit mm -hmm. hole here because there's been plenty of controversy yeah. around it. But my view is that every 18 year old in order to get the right to vote mm -hmm. has to either pass the same civics test that an immigrant has to pass mm -hmm. or else do at least six months of military or first responder role, which is generally police or military. Okay. Well, what do you get in the police or military? You get training on how to use a gun, yeah. right? And so I don't favor necessarily the government mandating yeah. it. But to say that, hey, because I also, in that context, would decriminalize selective service. Yeah. Young men now have to mm -hmm. register for the draft effectively between ages 18 to 25. I say eliminate that. But instead say, if you want the civic privileges, mm -hmm. like voting, well, then you have to know something about the country or serve the country. Okay. I think as part of that, I, I, I like that. I mean, I don't want to you yeah, know, no, yeah, make a no. presidential policy on the yeah. fly here, but, but the intuition is I like baking that into almost a form of civic education. Gotcha. Actually, okay. because it is part of what's baked into citizenship mm -hmm. is that which is baked into the Constitution and the Second Amendment is absolutely baked into that Constitution. Is that somebody to teach them to be a hunter on the weekends? No. Yeah. It's actually to prepare them as a citizen and to understand what the stakes are, yeah. you know, when push comes to shove yeah. and times get bad and from time to time in human history they do. Yeah. That's the backstop that yeah. we're up against. And I think that more people will probably emerge with a greater respect for not just the Second Amendment, but the entire Constitution, if we did do it. So I think our conversation and me having to respond to you might have just convinced me into, that's, into a pretty strong vision of citizenship, yeah. actually. Yeah, and that, that's kind of an idea that I've grown to over, over the times of what I've been doing from an advocacy perspective. Is yeah, I, I like that a I lot. I have so many people on both sides that I know. Um, and I'm, I'm all for everyone going out and being a responsible gun owner, but I want them to be responsible gun owners. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not saying mandate. I don't, want, I don't want to be mandated by the government. Yeah, but we create but the, the opportunity for exactly. it. We create the opportunity exactly. for it, the space for it. Absolutely. In the same way, I mean, the, the concept of what I say, the same civics test about our history and our constitution that an immigrant has to pass in order to be a citizen of this country. Mm -hmm. If you think about the constitution as an operating manual mm -hmm. and the second amendment as an operating manual, maybe you want to know the operating manual of how to take advantage of your second amendment rights. For sure. I quite like it, man. Okay. Smart. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much for taking oh, the yeah, time. Man. You're the man. Absolutely. Yeah, keep Love up the brother. good work. And, enjoy shooting You know, I, I just wanted to also tell you, man, there's a lot of good ways to have an impact on the country. And I say this as somebody who is not from the world of politics. Yeah. I'm not a politician. Yeah. I've built businesses. That's my background. I barely, you know, came over the hump to say, okay, this is what I need to be able to do to 
make my contribution to the country, but I say this to you is, you're driving real change in this country too. And I think that if your voice is reaching more people, especially because you're, you know, you're not some political hack. You're yeah. not offering some sort of just platitudes about, yeah, you know, you know rah, rah, Second Amendment without yeah. saying the why. You're an intellectually curious guy. I think you will have an opportunity to persuade people who otherwise might have thought themselves dogmatic on this issue and more broadly on our Constitution, too. So keep at it. Absolutely. Thank That's you. important. It's not just going to come from the White House. Oh, thank you much. Appreciate it. Yeah. Absolutely. Appreciate it, Colin. Yes, sir. Good seeing you, man. You too.